scripture reading for this morning is from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Ephesians 6, 10. The whole armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in the opening my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as they ought to speak. You guys, you guys can have a seat. If you will, turn with me to Ephesians 6. Verses 10 uh, through 20. As I said at the beginning, uh, I hope I, I trust and hope that your that your Christmas this year was joyful. Um, we are we are thankful to our Lord and Creator uh, for a wonderful Christmas, for the birth of His Son Jesus Christ, but also uh, for the new year. And if I haven't been able to wish you already, Happy New Year! Uh, I'm looking forward to 2023 and what it holds for us. Um, I had a great time driving back to Northern Illinois, a good time with my family, and um, I was just I was just able to reflect a lot on the past year and ups, downs, highs, and lows, but ultimately see, I think that we all could see, whether it's in our own personal life, in our families, in our body, in our city, in our nation, in our world, the faithfulness of our Creator and the sovereignty of our Lord. And there's a lot of things that I've been reflecting on. You know, this year was my first full year uh, a part of this body. And um, some of you I like more than others, honestly. Um, that's just how it is. No, I'm kidding. Uh, that's why Nick's over there in the back corner. Uh, I stick him back there. No. Uh, but uh, it's just been a great year uh, of getting to know you all and uh, a joyous time uh, with your students. And um, I think, I don't know, I feel like we've had a great time partied a lot and um but on a more personal note you know it's been a great year a uh, great time to, and growth of my relationship uh with sarah my relationship with my family and my relationship uh with friends but ultimately um, my relationship with the lord it has been renewed and replenished over and over and over again despite my continuous failure to be perfect as christ is perfect despite the sins um, that I still do commit, the Lord is faithful to renew me and to replenish me. And I know that he is faithful to replenish and renew you as well. 
And um, through the reading of his word, through the reading of books and podcasts, through relationships, through talking with you guys and, and, and many people, um, it's been a year of seeing the Lord's faithfulness and grace and mercy towards me. And I hope it's been for you too. I think also when we reflect on any previous year, any previous month or season of our life, we always see the highs and the lows, but I, you know, there's, there's always lows. There's always lows. There's never a time that seems to not, there isn't hardship. There isn't sorrow. There isn't pain. For me, the most obvious was the loss of my grandmother about, gosh, three months ago now. It's flown by. And uh, I've shared with you already some, from some of you this morning uh, as you were coming in, but Chris's time was always a joyous uh, time for her. She, you know, being in her mid-70s, she quickly turned into an eccentric teenager ready to decorate with trees and weird uh, animated Santa Clauses all around the house that were very cheesy. Uh, no one liked. I thought were creepy growing up uh, and scared me, but um, she loved Christmas. She and, and not for herself. Uh, she loved to give us grandkids and her kids stockings and to watch the smile on her face. Um, just opening gifts. I remember one time I opened an apple, and she thought it was the funniest thing in my stocking, and I, I was like, I'm not going to eat this apple. It's wrapped in gift wrap and tape. I'm not going to eat this apple. Uh, but she thought it was hilarious. Uh, she, she just, it, Christmas time was always a, a joyous time with her, and um, it was joyous because she, it was focused on, not on her, but she wanted to love her family, and so um, this Christmas was, was, it was, it was difficult, it was difficult for my grandfather, for my mother, and aunts, and for all of us, um, in many ways, this being the first Christmas uh, without her, but um, with, with her gone this Christmas, it was a clear reminder to myself to my family members, that 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 this Christmas will that Christmas will never be the same. It will always be different. I'm sure many of you have felt that way, either lost your parents or a family member or a friend. Um, that it's just never going to be the same. It's going always going to look different. And and a part of Christmas now, for for me, for my family, has been especially this year, is was sorrow. It was sadness. It was longing for it to be like it has always been. Um, with the great-grandkids there, as my cousins are starting to have kids now, she would have loved to have been with the great-grandkids and, and um, just longing for that again. And that I think that paints a bigger picture for all of us, that life is hard, that, that, that sorrow and grief and pain, that's life. That is the unfortunate truth of the world that we live in. It's the unfortunate truth of the times that we are in. It's, it's, it's one of sorrow, oftentimes of sorrow and despair, of one of hardship and difficulty, one, of, one that is just unfair. It, it, life seems to show no mercy. I think of um, Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes 8, we, were, we studied that earlier this year in Student Ministries. On Sunday mornings. And in Ecclesiastes 8, verse 14, Solomon says this There is vanity that takes place on earth, that there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked. 
and there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I said that this also is vanity. Life isn't fair. Life is hard. Our We toil and toil and toil, and we work and we work and we work, and yet we seem to not be able to escape hardship, difficulty, sorrow, death. It's inescapable. And it seems the, 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 the key question oftentimes in, that many of us I have dealt with I, has caused me doubt. It's always, why do good things happen to bad people? Why do bad things happen to good people? And that's what Solomon points to in Ecclesiastes 8, that, that life is full of things that just don't make sense, that, and just full of evil, that disease and sickness plague our world. Man killing man seems to only be getting worse. Our world seems to be deteriorating. Man hates one another simply on, on politics, simply on sex and genders, simply on skin color, on, on social class, on, on you name it. It could be sports teams. People brawl after a sports game. Like they, 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 any way we can find a way to, to not like a, a certain person, we will find it. And, um, and, I, know, and I know that we need the Lord's mercies in that every day. This is not as life, this is not how life was intended to be, how God's creation was intended to be by, uh, by our Creator. All, all the division and hate, the pain and sorrow, the deterioration of our world, the difficulties and hardships of this life were not created by our Creator, but rather they were brought into this world by the devil. And and as, I, and as I've been reflecting and trying to, when I was thinking of what do I want to preach on, on New Year's Day, the, you know, the, the jokingly, the, the first thing that came to my mind was, New Year, New Me, five ways to be a better Christian. And uh, quickly diverged from that and, and threw, that in, threw that in the trash. Um, but, you know, I, I, was, I was, it just came upon uh, lots of reflection that, I think Ephesians 6 is a good, will be a good encouragement for us this morning as we head into the new year, as we head into a new week, a new day, um, a new season of life, that um, to prepare ourselves to put on the full armor of God. And so, um, and, and that brings us, and that brings us to our passage this morning in Ephesians 6. I'm going to read it again for us. Uh, this morning, starting in verse 10, going to verse 20. This is the word of the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in, this hev- in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. 
in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all power and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me by op- in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare boldly as I ought to speak. So, in this passage, I think Paul is wanting to give us a level of assurance, a level of hope and confidence. This letter to, the letter of of Ephesians is an important one. So, for some context, uh, the, the city of Ephesus um, was a major trans was a major port of transportation of goods and services, and it was also known to be uh, the nurturer of the goddess of Diana in her temple, uh, her her monument, one of the seven wonders of the world. Ephesus was known um, for being a place that was known for for their pagan worship and their worship and nurturing of the goddess Diana. And Ephesus was captivated by, they were, they were captivated by false uh, pagan worship. In, in Paul's letter here to the Christians in Ephesus, uh, was one of, it was one of to clarify uh, certain things, uh, maybe that they were doing and that they were not doing. It was to give support uh, in knowing the context of which they were in. And also, um, it was one about direction. It was one of setting a course of action. It, he assures us of in, in Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14, is one of my favorite passages in all Scripture. Uh, it, it just establishes, once and for all, the, the means of salvation and the Trinitarian means of it, that, that God the Father is the administrator of our salvation, that he, is the, he authorizes our eternal salvation. Destiny, and he does that through the Son, through the work, through the life, through the death and burial and resurrection of the Son, and he seals us with the promised and with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our salvation. And that's in Ephesians one, and then in Ephesians two, he goes on to remind us of the reconciliation that we have, not just with one another, but with Christ, that we now have peace with God because of what Christ has done. And therefore, by grace through faith in Christ, we can now come to God and be reconciled with him. And then in Ephesians 3 and 4, he reveals just how that oneness in Christ and how that unity with one another looks. And even in Ephesians 5 and 6, we get, we get calls to action. We, you know, Ephesians 5 is often a popular passage for marriages. For, for, for weddings, and um, we see uh, just plans of action for, for people. And then he ends here in chapter 6 with really, to me, sounds like a battle cry. Like, a, like pick up your arms and be ready to fight. Be ready to stand. Be ready uh, to defend this gospel. Kind of a, a prepare for battle speech. I think of uh, you know, there's so many great speeches out there. I, I always think of Lord of the Rings. Um, I don't even know the name of the guy. 
died. But they're basically it's they're basically going into their end battle, and it's just this heroic, courageous speech. Uh, it's very moving and, and very moving for the soldiers, and they go in to battle uh, motivated, more motivated than ever. And, and, in, and in these verses, in these, in these 10 or 11 verses here, Paul is right. We are at war. There is a battle taking place. There are many things that trouble us. There are many things in this world that trouble us. There are many people in this world that trouble us, that cause us pain, that cause us sorrow. Things of just this world that naturally happen because of sin, that naturally cause pain and, and hardship and difficulty. But Paul here clarifies that, that all these things are ultimately brought with, in a spiritual presence, you know, with a spiritual nature. Uh, we, we, I think we in the, the Reformed world, we often don't talk of the spiritual side of things. Uh, for whatever reason, I'm not sure. I think there's, I think there's multiple reasons um, why we do that. But I think it is true, and I think, I think it's a good reminder for us that, that, and that the, the reminder that Paul gives us here, that we are not fighting against flesh and blood, uh, but rather we are fighting against the devil and uh, the spiritual forces of evil that, that prowl like a roaring lion in this earth. Let's look at verses 10 through 13 again. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Paul clarifies here for the people in Ephesus that as they're trying to battle against the, the people in the city of Ephesus who are focused on worshiping the goddess of Diana, that they're saying that the people, are, the Christians in Ephesus are looking and saying, these people are the issue. They are who we are fighting against. And Paul, I think Paul here is clarifying for them that no, it's something bigger than that. It's something that's unseen. It's something that um, is always working against us uh, at, at every turn, that our foe is unseen to the naked eye. And it, it begs the question, it begs the question for us, what chance do we have against such a foe? I mean, God has given for ultimately the mystery of this, for the for the he has given the devil authority over this world, or a level of authority over this world, for the glory of him, for his glory. How that the mystery of that, I, I have no answer to. But that also begs the question: Then who's really in charge? If God is allowing the devil to have a certain amount of reign, a certain amount of power, going this far but not that far, who's really? We know that our Lord is sovereign over all, continuously. Not just, not just when Christ was here, not just in the Old Testament, but now and forevermore. Amen. And so, 
we, 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 we look at this phone, but we can't see it, and we're like, what, what chance do we have? It, it doesn't just attack us in the physical, it attacks us in the mental, it attacks us in the emotional, the spiritual. What chance do we have? Verses 14 through 18. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. There are, there are plenty of images here that, that from both Old Testament and from a very Roman context uh, that are given here. So let's, let's dissect each one of these in particular. The first one we see in, in terms of the whole armor of God, breaking that down, the first one that Paul breaks down for us is the belt of truth. If you know anything about uh, the Roman soldier's armor, uh, the belt of a Roman soldier was used uh, to protect and support his lower abdomen. Uh, it, it, would also, it, was, it would also keep his tunic in place. It would keep it intact. And it was also the placeholder of his sword. It was protection. When, when you and I are protected, you know, think of, think of as a kid, feeling you're protected by your parents, that you're protected by maybe an older sibling or, or, or a friend or, or a teacher or, or another family member or whoever you feel protected by. There, there are many feelings that can come up in emotions that we feel in that moment when we feel truly protected. But I think one stands out. It stands out to me. It's confidence. When we are protected, when we know that we are secured, that we are safe. There is a level of confidence, I think, that we have to go about in life uh, with, with anything. Uh, when, when military members are going into battle with the best weapons available, with the best armor available, with the best heavy machinery available, there is a level of confidence that they're going to have versus their opponent, knowing, knowing that they can trust what is protecting them. Or I, I, you know, I think of uh, I think of an NFL quarterback who has the best offensive line in in the league. He probably has a better confidence about dropping back for a pass than a quarterback with the least or the worst offensive line in the league because of the level of protection or the ability for his offensive lineman to protect him. Why? Because, because they, are, they are better at their jobs. They are better protectors. And we as believers in Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, can and must have confidence. We must have the, the utmost confidence in the protection of the armor of God, of this, of this belt of truth that we have to stand against the schemes of the devil. 
It's the confidence in, in what has been accomplished for us by Christ. Coming as we celebrated with Christmas. Coming as a baby. Knowing that his purpose in coming was to die. Was to take upon our sin on the cross. To give us the robe of righteousness, the garment of salvation, or as we'll look at next, the breastplate of righteousness. We have confidence, not in, not in the, we, and we have hope, not in the, gee, I hope so, not in the, wherever the wind blows. No, it, it's, it's confidence in the truth of our creator and our sustainer and the God of the universe. It's a different confidence that, if you haven't experienced that, when you, Lord willing, you will, it is, it is a confidence that uh, is unlike any other. As, as Paul says, it, it, it brings a peace, uh, as it says in verse 15, given by the gospel of peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding. That is the belt of, of truth, its protection that gives us confidence. Then onto the breastplate of righteousness. This was another layer of protection for soldiers that covered their torso, their, their upper body. The breastplate that Paul refers to here, it, he, he's going, looking back at the Old Testament, much, is, much of this is referred to in Isaiah. And this one comes from Isaiah 59, verse 17. It says this, He put on righteousness as a breastplate, and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing, and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. We are to identify with this breastplate. And, and, I, and I, think, I think it's also, as, as I alluded to earlier, it's one of protection and, and confidence, as I think much of this is, because of what has been given to us. Our, our sin has been imputed to Christ. And in, and in return, we have received the breastplate of righteousness, the robe of righteousness, the garments of salvation, as Isaiah 61 says. That we have nothing to fear. When we go against these, these spiritual forces, these, and, even, and even in this world when we, when we experience turmoil from even, from even flesh and blood, Knowing that ultimately it's the work of uh, evil spiritual forces that we have nothing to fear. Not in a boast of ourself, not in a boast of what we've put on by our own might, by our own efforts, by our own accord, but simply by what Christ has done. So that when we ultimately reach eternal life, our sin is not seen, but rather it's Christ's righteousness in and through us. Next is the shoes for our feet in verse 15, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. I think Paul has in mind here another chapter in Isaiah uh, later, in Isaiah, uh, sorry, earlier in Isaiah 52, verse 7. It says this, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. 
I think this, I th this is probably a more clear allusion. Paul more elaborates a little bit more on this, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. I think this is really focused on evangelism, spreading the gospel, spreading the good news of the gospel, not just through word and act, through through both word and action. It's a it's a call to not just defend the gospel, to protect ourselves from the fiery arrows of the devil, but also a call to move. It's a call to action. It's a call uh, by God's grace to be ambassadors, to be, as Ephesians 2 says, to be his workmanship uh, for, for all the things that Christ has planned uh, beforehand uh, for us. And, and this, this peace that comes with the gospel it's ironic because this is also kind of alluding to this, this verse in Isaiah 52, uh, it's verse 7. Um, it's ironically a, a sense of preparing for battle against Israel, or I'm sorry, against evil. Uh, that Isaiah 52, verse 7, is a, is a pointing to the peace that will come in the coming of Christ, in, in, in his first coming, and in the restoration of of Israel, and, Christ, and then Christ coming again to fully restore and complete his work. So then we get into the shield of faith in verse 16, taking up the shield of faith which you, with which you can extinguish all the fiery darts of the evil one. Unlike, when I, when I think of a shield, when you think of a shield, what do you think of? Wait, what, what first thing of a shield? What kind of character or, or superhero comes to mind? Captain America. Yes, thank you. I was going to say it if you weren't anyway. So, because that's the illustration I'm looking for. The Captain America, his shield. It's you know, it's it's super powerful. You can't even dent it. It seems, um, but his shield, you know, just kind of goes over his arm and kind of covers his 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 body, his head. But you know, if he needs to cover a certain part of his body, he has to he has to move it around. The shield that, that Paul here is referring to is a shield that for Roman soldiers would have covered their entire body from head to toe. And it, was, it, was, it was a shield that would usually be covered in, in animal skin and animal hide that would be um, kind of binded with iron to strengthen it, uh, to, be, to be often covered in water so that when uh, enemies would shoot their fire arrows towards them, they could put up their shield, and because of the water, it would extinguish uh, the, the fiery arrows coming towards them. And, you know, the, the enemies, because the enemies would dip uh, their arrows in a, a flammable substance, they would shoot them and before um, they were fired. And so the Romans would cover their shield uh, and, the, and cover their bodies with this shield to protect themselves. And and we see this in both in both Genesis 15 and Psalm 44. This allusion to this this image that God is our shield. God is the one who extinguishes the fiery arrows of the evil one. I another one of my favorite chapters I said earlier was Ephesians 1. Another is Romans 8. I think that's a very popular one for many people, maybe for you as well. And in Ephesians, or in, in Romans chapter 8, we get to see the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and what that means for us. 
that he is our protector, he is our comforter, he is our helper. And in all these things, he is also the one uh, who he, he makes our prayers perfect uh, before the Lord. He makes them pleasing to his ears, but also uh, he is the one that, that guarantees our salvation, that seals our souls for eternal life with God, for complete union, for complete and perfect union for eternity with our Creator. Excuse me. And this this idea that of a shield is, is one again of of protection of against evil, against the schemes of the devil and of the spiritual evil forces of this world. And then the helmet of salvation, this this piece of armor that uh, was predicted back in Isaiah, again, as we looked at earlier, Isaiah 59, 17, when when Christ would come uh, to defeat and overthrow the the ruling powers and and, and liberate his people at the end time battle. So how do we, I think, identify as with this helmet of salvation? Well, I I think Paul here is pointing to the fact that salvation is is both a present experience and a future hope, right? I think that's why we call the time that we live in the the now, but the not yet. Christ has come; He has died on the cross for our sins. Yet we are waiting, longing for Him to come again for full restoration of His people and of His creation. And so, He has begun his restoration in Christ and will now and, and he will complete it in his last days but this helmet of salvation for us I think is one that should bring us again a sense of peace in, in what Christ has come to do and a peace in the faithfulness of our God again as we reflect on our past year the highs and lows the victories the losses I hope and I trust and I pray that all of us can can look back and see ways in which small, major ways in which God has been faithful to us, faithful to you, faithful to your marriage, faithful to your family, faithful in all ways. Because as Scripture has promised us, as Christ has, as it was predicted in the Old Testament, that Christ would come it is predicted again that Christ will surely come again and reign and restore his people and redeem us completely. And finally, we, we get the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Paul comes out directly and kind of gives us the answer. He's like, he just, just make sure we're clear. It's the word of God that is the sword of of the spirit. The sword of the Roman soldier was the only offensive tool that they had. Every everything, every type of piece of armor that we've looked at so far was for protection, was on the defensive. It was um, to protect themselves. But the sword was the only tool that they had when they were going into battle on the offense. All of the pieces that Paul described uh, here uh, allude to, again, that, that sense of protection here. But when Christ, and, and I think it, we look at, when we look at uh, Christ being tempted in the wilderness, when, when, the, when Satan came to him and would, would tempt him in certain ways, 
how did he attack those schemes of the devil? Scripture. He quoted Scripture. He attacked over and over and over again. Three times, it says in Scripture. He attacked the schemes of the devil with Scripture, with the Word of God. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, we have a future series coming up on the Word of God and just, just the value and importance of it. And because of the, the, seemingly, the seeming desire in our, in our day for certain Christians to diminish its authority, to diminish its, its power uh, in our life, and to instead not think that it's sufficient, to not think that it's enough, to not think that it's authoritative, to not, think, to not in fact think that it's maybe not the Word of God even. Uh, I'm excited about that series, but that, this, is, this is where we see that we are able to go on the offensive with the sword, with the Word of God, because we know that before this was written on paper, and now and forevermore. God is timeless, and therefore his word is timeless. It will never change. His truths are always, they are forever, they are everlasting. And this, this belt of truth, this, this, this protection for us, coincides, I think, with the truth of the gospel the truth of the gospel, that it brings peace. It brings peace with God. Yes, it brings peace with others. It brings reconciliation with, with, with fellow people that we never thought could be reconciled. In Ephesians 2, that's what Paul is talking about, a, a very real difference between Jews and Gentiles. We, we, like, to, we like to think that uh, between ethnicities there's a huge difference. But, you know, scientifically, there's like, it's like 99.8% similar. Like we're, 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 there's no difference between us. All the differences that we make and that our that, that mankind makes between ethnicities is, is is very arbitrary. But the one that Paul is looking at in Ephesians two, the difference between Galate, uh, the 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 Gentiles and the Jews, that wasn't arbitrary. That was real. That was a real difference that was ordained by God. Jews were God's chosen people. They were His chosen race. His royal priesthood, as, as Peter alludes to now uh, in his letters, as, as us, the body of Christ. But the Gentiles, as it says, those who were way back there, who were way far off, had been brought near. The, the Greek would, would, would literally translate, have been dragged near. Imagine a mother or a father dragging their kid by the ear, kicking and screaming, and, but yet dragging them near, uh, and, that, and that is what God has done through Christ by the power of the Spirit. has dragged us near, has brought us near against our will, against our desires, against our desire to instead continue to live in our own ways, to, to, to think that we have things figured out, to think that the world or ourselves has the answers, but Christ, but God through Christ by the Spirit has brought us near. And we have now this, this, this sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, to go on the offensive. When, when, when the devil attacks you, 
when the devil attacks me, when he attacks my, when we, when the, when he attacks our mind, our heart, our emotions, in all these ways, to go on the offensive against those things, we have Scripture. We have the Word of our Creator, of our Sustainer, that is forever sustaining, that is forever replenishing, and. Um, it's a, it's a it's a it's a battle cry, I think, as we as we look at these these verses. So, to conclude, I I I think of we we've kind of walked through all of these and, and we haven't really hit the main idea yet, but here it is, and and it, it says it th- there's at least three times in this passage where it says, stand, stand firm. Stand firm. Not in your might. Note that. Not in your might. Not in your own strength. Good luck with that. If if I were standing in my own might, in my own strength, going through the trials and tribulations of, re, of, of, of recent times and of old and of, and of future times, knowing that this life will continue to beat me and, and just and bend me until I seemingly break. Paul here, and our Lord here, commands us, demands us to stand firm. Stand firm in what? Because what does our world tell us? Stand firm in your own strength. Stand firm in your own might. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Work hard enough. Do enough. Make enough money. Be this type of person. Even, there are even Christian fellow brothers and sisters who say, read your Bible more, pray more, do these things, check off these boxes, and you will be a better Christian because of what you have done. Reading your Bible is good. Do it, please. Uh, and I say that to myself as well. Pray as it says, in verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, Paul. Remember, what, remember, Paul's writing this letter in prison as he is in chains. So he's being beaten and persecuted for his faith. And also for me, that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Paul is a perfect picture of standing firm, not wavering in the truth of the gospel, despite the schemes of the devil, the, for, the evil spiritual forces attacking him, whether it's, whether it's through man, whether it's just through attacking the mind, and through the heart, and through the emotion of, of the emotions of Paul. We are called to stand firm. And, 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 I, and this, this, this war cry, this almost taking up of arms, is not, is not one that I think Paul is calling us to, to go and fight every, every culture, cultural war, every, every, every social war, every, everything that's, that's wrong about our world, that we can transform our world and, and our nation to be a theocratic, beautiful description of, of God's kingdom because we see how that worked for Israel. But I think it's rather a, a, a call.
called to stand firm, not in our own might, but again, to fasten on the belt of truth. To rest in the breastplate of righteousness. To go and spread the gospel, the, 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 shoe, the, the, the shoes for our feet, these shoes that were, that were meant for stability, that were meant for strength, as, as these Roman soldiers and as uh, Old Testament um, soldiers and, and just people in general, as they went on these long journeys, these, these shoes to their feet would last the long, uh, strenuous journeys that they would make that we would be ready to preach the gospel of peace. That we would put on the helmet of salvation, that we would take up the shield of faith and ultimately live in the sword of the Spirit. I commend us this morning, I want to encourage us all, not just, not just this year, not just, not just this month, not even just this this morning, this, this day, this New Year's Day, but forevermore. Stand firm in what Christ has done for you. What has been accomplished on the cross. Remember that what was done on the cross was not, was not to make salvation possible. It was not to get you to a certain point so that you may be or may not be able to attain it to attain eternal life. No, it was accomplished fully by the blood of Christ, by the resurrection of him who is now who is now sitting at the right hand of God the Father. Life is hard. Life is difficult in in perhaps some of our older wiser folks here can attest to it that it seems that the more and more life goes on, it never gets easier. It never lightens up. The world never stops coming at us. Pain and sorrow follow us everywhere. Death is looming. The consequences of sin are inescapable. Knowing that, Paul commends us to stand firm. Our Lord and Savior commands us to stand firm in Christ. To rest in the Holy Spirit. To rest in what's indwelt in us. To trust that our Lord is good and faithful always and forevermore. As we turn our attention towards communion, what a wonderful day. Uh, I, I, it, it was a joyful time to be able to um, worship on Christmas morning uh, at my home church uh, back in Stillen Valley, Illinois. And um, it, was, it was a joyful time to do that. It was a wonderful day um, to do that. And, I, and it's a wonderful day to worship our Lord this, this New Year's Day as well. And as we, as we think of just what, we, what Paul is calling us to do to, to rest and what Christ has done for us, and, and to be ready to defend and spread his gospel, the gospel of our Savior. There are, there are many of us who, who have who come into this new world limping, <laughs> who come in crawling. Uh, and 
yet, because of the cross, we can lay those burdens down at the feet of Christ. We can bow down before our Lord. We can come before the taking of the bread and the juice. Say, Lord, 2022 was tough. It was hard. It was difficult. I don't know how I did it. Lord, thanks be to you for your faithfulness and for your goodness to me. If this message of the gospel, that that Christ has come to bring peace, to, to to reconcile us to the Father, that we now have the promise, the sealed Holy Spirit living within us, sanctifying us, conforming us more and more into the image of his Son until the day of glorification. If this message of the gospel is the first time you've heard this, um, if it's something that you're struggling with, you have questions about, maybe, maybe you downright disagree with it. You deny it, you reject it entirely. Thank you for being here. This is, um, and, and if you have questions, please come talk to myself, come talk to Jeremy, uh, come talk to any of the elders, really any, anyone here that you see <laughs> socializing. And um, we would love to share with you just how possible and real it is, the peace that you can have with your creator and sustainer. I would say, though, that we ask that you not partake of communion this morning. We don't take the the communion, the Lord's Supper, the eating of the bread and the drinking of the juice. is not something that we do to save ourselves. It's not something that we do to even sanctify ourselves. It's something that we do in remembrance of what Christ has done for us and what the, and just how and what the peace uh, that Christ has brought through his death and resurrection. If that is you, if that, if, that is, if that is you this morning, if you can trust that Christ has died for you, that, that, that you now have peace with your creator because of Christ and that you are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, come, be renewed, be replenished, by this meal together. Lay your burdens down. Lay the stress of a new year, of possibly of a new job, of new things, of, of, of things unknown. Lay those down at the, feet, at, the, at the foot of the cross, trusting in the faithfulness and sovereignty of our Lord. I'll pray for us this morning.